Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today on the show, I have the privilege of introducing you all to Leslie Weinzettel. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Thank you, Drew. What you all don't know is that Leslie is the person who trained me in what we're going to talk about today, which is healing prayer. Back when I was living in Wheaton, Illinois, attending Church of the Resurrection, I would receive healing prayer frequently at those church services, and they were so powerful for me. In fact, they were a huge part of what gave me deeper freedom from pornography and healing trauma that I didn't even know I had. I didn't even really understand all of the wounds that I was carrying and the heaviness in my soul until later, but it began to heal in those church services in prayer experiences that I didn't understand, but they were incredibly powerful. And then you all did this prayer training and invited me to be a part of it. And I still remember just how amazing it was. And Today, we are going to talk a little bit about what is healing prayer, uh, what's it about, what should we expect from it, from a biblical perspective, and what does it practically look like? Mm -hmm. So this is going to be awesome. (laughs) I agree. I'm really excited. So Leslie, what do people need to know about you? Um... Not much. My my main identity at the moment is I'm a mom of two little girls. They're delightful and a full-time job. Um, but before that, I went to Wheaton College, just like you, Drew. Woo! Yeah. Um, I studied Christian formation. And um, after graduating, I went to work for a ministry in Jacksonville, Florida called Christian Healing Ministries. And I had done an internship there as a student. It had been incredibly life-changing. Um, as we'll talk about more for healing prayer, the best way to learn is to receive. And I was definitely, um, (laughs) an eager and very willing recipient. So my own need for healing was definitely a driving factor in um, my involvement. So I worked at Christian healing ministries for five years and, um, then moved back to Wheaton where I live now and to marry my husband. And um, worked at Wheaton College, actually, for, um, I was on staff for about four and a half years before my first daughter was born. And then ever since, I have been a full-time mom. I now have two daughters, so. And discipling them every day. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm still involved in ministry, you know, as a lay volunteer at Church of the Resurrection, where where you were a part of when you lived here too. Isn't it such an adventure to just do healing prayer every week? Yes. You never know what's going to happen. Nope. And it's really scary at first. I mean, it's at first it is terrifying, um, but gradually it becomes more and more comfortable as you become more and more confident in the Lord's um, faithfulness and that he shows up, that he longs to bring healing more comfortable and confident in his heart and his ability. Um, So it becomes easier over time, just as that grows. 
Totally. And you said it starts with receiving. So what did that look like for you to receive healing prayer? Yeah. So it began in college really when I became more aware of my need for healing. I had, I I think I hadn't realized up until college, it was kind of a catalytic time in my life where I realized some deep insecurities stemming from really shame was the the core of that. Um, so that, that propelled me to seek healing prayer from a really trusted woman who was trained and she was in the grad program at Wheaton at the time. And, um, she was fantastic. She led a, a course um, that we met weekly and it went through the teaching from Christian Healing Ministries. And then we practiced in small groups and prayed for each other. And we did that once a week for about six months or something like that until we got through all the, the material. But the beautiful thing about practicing is that it's not practice to the Lord. You know, like we're learning and we practice, but real healing takes place. In those times, right, when we're, quote, practicing, the Lord is not. So um, I received a ton of healing in that time. Um, And to share just a bit more specifics of my story, um, I was born with strabismus and had surgery when I was about one and a half, um, which helped but didn't fix the alignment in my eyes completely. So growing up, I was very aware of that and self-conscious and that combined with, you know, kids being kids and teasing. Um, it really, there was a real wound in, in my sense of self and my identity. And, um, so in college that I began to face that cause I hadn't, it's, it's painful. We don't want to face our pain. We find ways to just, you know, perform or do whatever we have to do to build our, our self-worth up in other ways. But anyway, I began to face that and the Lord just in his love and his, um, just his overwhelming love began to minister healing to my heart in that area. Um, just in really profound ways that only was obviously him and that only he could do. So you were carrying immense shame particularly in your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. About my eyes, but it affected my sense of, um, feeling were like worthy, feeling even just attractive, desirable. Um, it really, and as a woman that matters. So it really, it really affected me and the Lord's love. Um, and this happened over time. This is multiple prayer sessions over time. Um, but each one was important and each one got deeper and deeper or addressed a different aspect of the, of the wounds. And, um, you know, healing is a process. It really is. And it's, um, especially emotional healing. There can be, um, you know, really miraculous instantaneous healings. Um, but more often than not, it's, it happens over time and in layers and, um, you know, the way of transformation that the Lord does within us. Um, so that was my experience in that, in that area. Absolutely. I mean, it is a process. And yet maybe sometimes we underestimate how much can happen in a single time of prayer. I remember you once shared about a time of prayer that 
took you back to that surgery when you were one and a half years old? Yes, that was, I was dealing with really intense fear. I mean, I was an adult. (laughs) I was terrified of the dark. I mean, unnatural fear, right? And to me, that signaled, okay, this is not normal. This is excessive. There's something deeper here. So I was in a training um, for uh, an aspect of emotional healing called theophastic prayer. So I was going through the course. And as part of that course, we were um, practicing in small groups, you know, same deal. And it was my turn to receive. And I just told them I have excessive fear and no idea where it's coming from. And they said, okay, let's start praying. So they started to pray and they just asked me to share anything that came up while we were praying. And all I had was this overwhelming fear, just terror um, surfacing, but no memory linked to it, no idea where it was coming from. And so the people praying for me, there were maybe three or four other people in the group at the time. And they were praying and they just said, okay, let's stick with it. Keep letting yourself feel the fear and let's ask the Lord where it's coming from or how he wants to minister healing. And then actually, um, one of the prayer ministers asked me, okay, I want you to just scan your body right now. Be aware physically of anything you're experiencing. And in that moment, it was the most bizarre thing, but my eyes started like the muscles in my eyes started contracting. Like I was noticing that they were contracting. And um, what I hadn't learned at the time was that our bodies actually store trauma in a very real cellular level, our bodies store trauma. And I didn't know that uh, at the time. Um, But I was like, this is so weird. My, but I'm feeling the muscles in my eyes contracting. And, um, and then a woman in the group, like right after I shared that said, wow, that's, that's crazy. Because I just had this uh, prophetic image can I share it with you? And I said, please. And she said, I just saw a picture of you as a little girl being afraid that someone was going to put a knife in your eye. And in that moment, it just all connected, all the dots connected. And I remembered that I had had eye surgery when I was one and a half. And, you know, I didn't have a conscious memory of that because I was one and a half. Um, But the Lord unlocked the unconscious memory and it all flooded and um, how terrifying that was as a one-year-old, you don't have a concept of surgery is beneficial. They're not going to kill you. This is for your good. You don't know that, you know, they're taking me away from my mom. They're pinning me down. They're strapping me down. You know, the helplessness, the terror, the panic, it all was there. And then I woke up and, you know, I had patches over my eyes, so I couldn't see and they had uh, on your elbows, when, when you have surgery like that, they put braces so that as a little baby, I wouldn't pull off the patches. So the, I mean, it was traumatic. It was absolutely traumatic. Um, the helplessness and the panic, it all made so much sense. And the Lord revealed himself to me in that memory so powerfully. I mean, I just, this was years ago now, but I have such a vivid memory of me remembering that surgery experience and the Lord walking into that um, operating room where I was terrified and coming into me and next to me. And he just said so clearly, Leslie, I am your surgeon. And I just felt such a release from the fear. And, I, and it was replaced by such safety and just knowing that I was so profoundly loved and cared for by Jesus 
And um, that was a profound healing. And I had multiple um, prayer sessions following that to address different aspects of that trauma. It was like the Lord revealed the taproot. And it was, as you said, you know, you can have a 20 minute prayer session that is life changing. And that was that it was really 20 minutes total. But then I needed multiple prayer sessions after that to address the, the like little fibrous roots that were related and connected and affected me. Um, so I had, I did, I had multiple prayer sessions after that that were pr- just incredibly healing. And one in which actually um, there were two specific evil spirits that someone identified that had latched onto my trauma and amplified the fear, you know, cause the enemy preys on our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities, whether it's our wounds or our sins, he wants to land, latch on and amplify that, exaggerate it, make it so difficult to get free. Um, and that's what he does. And, um, so the enemy had really latched onto that trauma for me and the Lord specifically, I, it was such an incredible healing. I felt like he identified specifically um, terror and torment. And he just removed them in the prayer session. Just absolutely removed them. It was beautiful. It was gentle. It was kind. And it was so freeing. Wow. I hear that. And I think to myself, way to go, God. <laughs> like That's amazing. And I also hear someone else listening who's wondering, well, that was great for Leslie, but what about for me? I'm struggling with pornography and sexual brokenness. How can healing prayer help me? Yeah, that's a great question. And my first instinct is, oh, in so many ways, you know, because we all have brokenness and um, whether it's sexual brokenness or other aspects of, you know, wounding um, or bondage in our lives. And there is nothing too big, too dark, too painful, too shameful, too hard, nothing for the Lord. It's just period. There's nothing. So in the same way that the Lord set me free and brought healing, and again, lifelong journey, right? I still need healing in various ways, but profound healing. Um, In the same way that he did for me what I could not do for myself, um, he can do that. He can do that for those who are struggling with sexual brokenness or addiction. He absolutely can and wants to. And um, yeah, it's just so important for us to remember that this is actually his idea, not ours, that as much as we long for it, it's, it was his idea first and his longing even more than ours. Um, yeah. So Specifically, I would say for that area of of struggle or of wounding, it's so important to um, address the root issues going on. You know, our God is not a God who treats symptoms and just wants to medicate or put a Band-Aid on it or patch you up and do better. You know, that's not his, that's not his way. It's not his thing. He wants deep healing at the core, true, true healing and wholeness and freedom from the ways that we're tormented or that we're, we're suffering. And that's what he does. So he is about that. And your story shows us that sometimes in order to get to the deeper healing, we need more revealing first. And we might not be aware of everything 
that needs to be healed. No, we rarely are. And that's why I see it as so important for us to both validate the healing experiences we've had. Like, yeah, they really were powerful. They were great. And also we're continually discovering more places. Right. More roots. Right, right. More roots, more layers. I mean, it's such a tension between the already and the not yet. We, The Lord is here and active and working and transforming our lives. And yet it won't be 100% complete until Jesus comes back or we go to him, you know? Yeah. So here we are in this in-between land of the present moment. Right. As we engage in healing prayer, maybe it would be helpful to say like, what can we expect? What is this about? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll keep saying it over and over that healing is a process. So that's a realistic expectation to expect that it's a process that happens over time in layers. In this process, I feel like it's easy for healing prayer to be characterized by inaccurate portrayals or unhealthy portrayals. Like, What are some of the myths that Healing prayer is not about. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, maybe you, and feel free, if you are thinking of specific myths that need to be debunked, you feel free to express them. But my first thought is that it's not magic. This is not magic. We are not tapping into some abstract power source. This is a relationship, 100%. And this is, yeah, it's all about connection to the living God who is, who he's the healer, right? So that's all, that's what it is. It is connecting to Jesus to come and minister to us in a way that only he can. Um, And it's not contriving anything. It's not trying to manufacture anything. It's not performing to please anybody either who's praying for you or pleasing God. It is not. It is putting ourselves in a posture, in a position to receive from the Lord and to let him do within us what only he can do, that transforming work that he wants to do. What about the myth that This is just for some Christians or for some especially spiritual people or spiritual traditions. Right. I would say if you're human, it's for you, (laughs) right? Because we're all, we're humans. We've got the human condition and Jesus came for all of us, regardless of our, our tradition, regardless of our personalities, regardless of um, our experiences. There's, there's no limit. There's no special club. And we see that in the Gospels, how it talks about when large crowds came to him, he healed everybody. Right. Without distinction. Right. Nobody was too sick or too far gone. Yeah, absolutely. And Jesus made a special point to heal those on the fringes who would have been considered not eligible, right? He absolutely went to those who were considered unclean, unworthy, ineligible. That was on purpose for Jesus. He was saying something. So when we feel a keen awareness of our own sin and suffering, we are in the bullseye of his target. Yes. Jesus said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I came to heal the sick, not the healthy. And when it comes to sickness and healing, One of the things I liked from that book, Healing by Francis McNutt, who you worked for um, at Christian Healing Ministries, is he says there are different kinds of healing that are needed. There's repentance, physical healing, 
emotional healing or inner healing and then deliverance from evil spirits and darkness, evil. So how does the Bible talk about healing prayer? Like what is a little summary of what does the Bible say about this? Well, I mean, for one, as you already mentioned, we can start with the Gospels and look at the ministry of Jesus. And I was assigned to do that in um, a class at Wheaton called Healing. And when you read the Gospels and you're focusing, you are literally noting every instance of healing. It is left and right. It is constant. Jesus, it was it was constant. It's overwhelming, really. So we have the Gospels to show us that that is Jesus' heart, his mission. And I'm reminded specifically of Luke 4, when Jesus stands up in the synagogue and turns to Isaiah 61 in the scroll and reads aloud, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed and declare the year of the Lord's favor. And he sits down and he said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I mean, right? Draw the mic. Yeah. So, I mean, that is so clear in his declaration of his heart, of his purpose, of his mission statement. And then, you know, he play, he, he lives that out in the, the rest of his life on earth. And then, you know, he empowers his disciples to do the same. He, you know, in, um, I think it's Luke 9, he gave them power and authority to cast out demons and cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And that's what they did. Yeah. That's like those four categories right there. Right, exactly. And that's crazy. That's crazy that Jesus passes the baton to us to do what he does. Right. It's crazy. It's madness. Yeah. But it's true. You know, and then we see that carried out in the disciples and in the book of Acts. We see that in, you know, future believers who weren't disciples um, in their ministries. And um, it's really clear, you know, Jesus teaching about the person of the Holy Spirit in John 14, he is really through 14 through 16, um, talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit that, that wait and receive the gift my father promised, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth, he will empower you. And that's for all believers, right? Everyone who believes in Jesus, the Spirit of God lives in us. So we are the hands and feet, we embody Jesus now to carry on the work that he um, began and is still doing through us. That feels like a big responsibility. (laughs) I know it's daunting. It's daunting, but it's not us. You know, we can't do it. We can't do it. Um, Jesus himself said, you know, I can't do anything apart from the father who lives in me. And we're in the same boat. We can't, we can't do it. And it's not up to us. It doesn't, that would be really futile. So with that in mind, you've talked about the three pillars of healing prayer. How can we engage in healing prayer without making it about us and just making it what it's supposed to be? That's a great question. Yeah, the ministry where I worked, Christian Healing Ministries, broke it down into... um, Three really practical, helpful, simple um, 
elements, listen, love, and pray. And that feels like, okay, I can do this. I can do that. Anyone can do this, right? And yeah. that's, the point. that's the whole point. This is not for some spiritual elite. This is, this is for followers of Jesus. We can do this because it's him doing it. And we're just learning how to partner with him. That's really what we're learning. So to explain a little bit more about listen, love, and pray and what each of those mean, um, listening means simultaneously listening to the Lord and listening to the person that you're praying for. So in listening to the person you're praying for, we want to hear their story. We want to hear what their, the cry of their heart is, what their need is for prayer. Um, very practically, that means active listening skills like eye contact, like not interrupting, like giving them your full attention. Don't interject your own story. You know, that kind of thing that does really matter when you're praying for someone in a vulnerable place. They are being so courageous and vulnerable and it's scary. And um, that really matters. And then when I talk about listening to the Lord simultaneously, what I mean by that is um, being aware that we are not the ones directing this, that we want the Lord to lead the prayer time because he knows what this person needs. He knows their full body, mind, soul, and spirit, and how it's all connected. And he knows what to address when and how. And so our goal as prayer ministers really is just to help that person receiving prayer to connect with Jesus. And we are just wanting to facilitate that connection for them to receive from him directly. I love that. There's so much humility in this posture of listening because I don't have to have the perfect thing to say. I don't need to come up with something profound. Um, it could even just be a simple word from scripture or an impression that I have in my imagination or, or an image that I get, like that prophetic image um, that spoke to you. And and listening means I feel like I'm getting something. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And there, you're right about the humility. If we do sense a specific leading from the Lord, it is so important to offer it really gently um, and one to make sure that it always agrees with scripture. It always agrees with the character of God is revealed in scripture. Um, that's the first test, but also to offer it to the person to see if it resonates with them. And, um, we, you can do that really humbly and gently. I'm sensing this. Does this resonate with you? Does this mean anything to you? Does that feel like a direction we need to go? If not, let's forget it. And we will keep listening to the Lord. And that is so important because, healing prayer and some of these kinds of experiences have gone awry in the past. And maybe some people listening have had a spiritually abusive experience where some kind of truth was being forced upon you or a lie even. Absolutely. And, and that does happen. That has happened. Um, so it is, you're right. It is important. Um, that posture of remembering we're not the ones who are seeking to be in control we aren't God. We are just trying to create space for the true God to do the ministry. And we're human. We're going to make mistakes at times. We're going to hear incorrectly. And in that posture of humility, we will do less damage, right? If we, if we give the person permission to say, no, sorry, that, that's really not, that doesn't fit, or that I think the Lord is showing me something else. If we give that, that permission, then we can, we can, 
you know, we're learning too and we make mistakes too. And it also gives us some relief, right? We don't have to have it perfect. Just like you said. Yes. So this posture of listening is foundational. This is where it all begins. And, and maybe even listening to ourselves, like what, what is coming up for me while I'm praying for this person? Cause maybe what they're dealing with is actually reminding me of myself. Absolutely Drew. That's so important. I'm glad you mentioned that because um, actually at the ministry where I worked, we required our volunteer prayer ministers to receive prayer for themselves periodically. It was, it was built into the calendar for that reason, you know, because they're on their own paths of healing and it's true. Things come up when you are praying for other people. Um, it's just, it's a really deep, spiritually powerful time and, and things do surface. So you're right. Attending to your own thoughts, emotions, um, in healing prayer. And then if, if you're in the middle of praying for someone and something surfaces, you can say, Lord, I know this is important. Please. Can we put this on the shelf for the moment? And then you can address that when the time is right. You know? Yes. Yeah. So if listening sounds like, oh, that's simple, I can do that. Well, it's actually rather difficult to listen to God and myself and to be fully present with this person. Right. It's both simple and it's definitely a learning process. Yeah. Lifelong, right? We're learning the Lord's voice and we're learning to partner with him and discern. And I think there's even a courage required to really listen and to be open because might be sensing something that seems weird or that I might not fully understand. And so, so there has to be a courage to be open to whatever we might hear. Yep. Yep. That's part of the humility is being able to take a risk, but if you're doing it gently and if you're doing with humility, um, the risk is much less. I like that. We, we can take steps to reduce the risk. Yeah, right. Say so our first priority of course, is making sure that the person receiving prayer feels safe and um, feels loved because they're, they're vulnerable. So it is, it really is vital in the way we share, um, anything that we're sensing that we're really careful, um, to present it with that gentleness and that humility. So they do feel total and complete permission. There's no pressure to please you. There's just no pressure to contrive anything, none. Or even pressure to have some epic result. Yeah, right. Exactly. Remember prayer sessions where I was praying for somebody, I felt like nothing happened, and then they come back the day later and, and telling me this amazing story. It's like, wow, I had no idea what God was doing. Yeah, that happens. And sometimes it ap- actually happens that really, truly, not much seems to be happening on the surface, and they don't think so either. But the Lord can do some deeper work than we're even aware of to to kind of till the soil of our souls. And it may not seem like a lot is happening, but he's in charge. He knows, and it is all valuable work. We can trust that. What's the next part? Yeah. Okay. So listening, loving, um, that mainly is talking about that it's really the Lord's love that heals us. Fundamentally at the core, it's the Lord's love that we all need. And it's his love that heals us. So it's acknowledging that is everything. And so as prayer ministers, when we're praying for someone, we want to invite the Lord to fill us with his love for this person that we're praying for and ask him that it really will be his love that flows through us into this person. Um, Because that's what they need. They don't need our human love, even though that is important in some level. Ultimately, it's the Lord's love that heals. 
I am in awe of that statement. It's so true. It is so true. One of the things I loved while learning healing prayer ministry with you and Val at Church of the Resurrection was the verbs that you would use. <laughs> I remember you taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> what are these verbs like, you know, fill him, fill her with your love? What are some of those phrases that you keep coming back to? Yeah, that's so funny, Drew, that you remember that. Yeah, it really it really is important though because using that kind of active language it really fully acknowledges that the Lord is present and active. We're not asking, "Lord, help this person pull themselves up by their bootstraps and do better." We are saying, "Lord, you are here now. You are powerful and loving and good, and we ask that you would come and cleanse this person from the fear that they're dealing with." Um, fill them with your love, set them free from the the heaviness that they're carrying, from the grief that they're carrying. You know, just any, from your heart, any words that come that are inviting the Lord to do a very real work here and now. To actually do something. Yes. Right. It's bold. It is bold. It's bold. But we believe that he's in us and that he's here and he calls us to ask. And as you said so well, he longs to do these things more than we do. Yes. And when we're inviting him to come and show up and give out everything we need for healing and wholeness, um, we're just asking him to do what he's already wanting to do, what he's promised to do. Yes. Just what Jesus said and. His life verse in uh, in Isaiah 61 to bring joy where there's mourning and to bring beauty where there's ugliness and destruction. Yes. Ultimately, that's why Jesus came and died on the cross. I mean, this is the heart of the gospel. And in healing prayer, we are bringing that into contact with whatever we're going through. Right. Exactly. I can get on board with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. It sounds almost too simple. Listen, love, and pray. Yeah, listen, love, and pray. So the praying part, you know, is more involved. Um, and we could talk more about, really, we could get down into nitty-gritty practicals. Um, generally, praying is, as I have said, inviting the Lord to come and minister to this person in a way that only He can. And it's important to... I guess, build in times of silence in that prayer. It's not just all about the words that we say in our talking, but building in times of silence really intentionally, even though it totally goes against our instincts to fill up every moment with words. And it, you do have to move past a little bit of panic and awkwardness. It, you, you get used to times of silence. But it's really important to create that space for the Lord to minister to the person directly. And you can prepare them while you're praying, it's actually really important to prepare them because you don't want them to think she's out to lunch, she's on her phone, whatever, you know. Um, prepare them that you want to create times of silence. And that's a time where they don't have to analyze. They don't have to come up with anything. They get to sit and receive and wait on the Lord and see how he wants to minister to them directly. And it's also really helpful. We all connect with the Lord differently. Some people are extremely visual and their their imaginations, the Lord gives them such visual images that are so powerful. Other people are not visual at all. And if you say, are you seeing anything? 
and they say no, and they look like a deer in the headlights and they're panicked. I don't hear from the Lord. Maybe they're just not visual. And it's, it can be really helpful to say, are you seeing, you know, just pay attention as we listen. You don't have to come up with anything, but pay attention. Are you seeing anything, hearing anything, remembering anything, sensing anything, feeling anything in your body, any emotions, just the whole range of ways that we can experience the Lord and connect with the Lord. And that can be really helpful to validate and name and give them permission. So they're not so narrowly focused on one aspect that we experience the Lord. Um, any scripture verses coming to your mind, it, songs that happens to me all the time is I will a musical. So a song will come to my mind that is clearly out of the blue from the Lord, but ministers to me deeply. It was just different for everybody. So in prayer by preparing someone and just setting that, um, saying that on the outset kind of gives them awareness to be, a, you know, to pay attention to that during prayer. That is so profound to me that sometimes the most healing way to pray for a person is just to be quiet and allow them to receive directly from the Lord. Yes. In a song, in a scripture, in a sensation, and just holding space and being there to protect that too from anything that could be against or outside of the heart of God. Um, and just holding that space. Yeah. I honestly think that maybe one of the most challenging things for someone praying to do, because it feels so, our instinct is we have to do it. We have to say something. We have to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's an instinct. We just have to retrain. And it happens again over time as you watch the Lord work and grow in confidence. Like, no, he can do this and he's here and he will minister to this person. And it's not about me or up to me. Yeah. Again and again, coming back to God is the one who heals. He is the one who transforms. And my job is to show up and be sensitive. Yes. You nailed it, Drew. Thanks. I'm learning from you still all these years later. <laughs> Thank you. As you said, prayer can be awkward. Um, and maybe especially in those silent times. What are some pro tips to keep in mind while we're praying for people? I think a big one is just to keep the communication open um, and set that expectation on the outset. Just say, you know, while we're praying, you will not be interrupting me. I will not be offended. I really need to know what's going on inside of you. If you're sensing something from the Lord, if there's a nagging thought that won't go away, if there's a little memory, even if it feels insignificant, please feel free to share these things. Don't feel like you're interrupting because we, our goal here is really to go along with whatever the Lord is doing in you. I don't want to go on some little bunny trail that's my own bunny trail when it's not what's actually going on inside you and what the Lord wants to do. So open communication is vital um, and telling them on the outset, giving them permission to do that. And along with that, periodically checking in while praying, I will be praying for someone and I will periodically you know, after a moment of silence or after I finished praying something specific, I'll check in and say, how are you doing? Anything going on? Anything you want to share with me? Anything coming up for you? And just check in. And sometimes the answer is no. And other times it's yes, this. And it's, you know, and then it's very clear. Okay, we need to pray more into this. The Lord is really doing something here. So that's huge is open communication. 
And along with that, this also feels unnatural initially, um, but it's helpful to either keep your eyes open while you're praying for someone or open your eyes periodically. Um, because if you are just your eyes closed and head bowed the whole time and you're like going your own way praying and you may not notice this person is, you know, tears are streaming down their face. And that's a clue to you. Okay, the Lord is doing something. Something is surfacing or the Lord is ministering deeply right now. And you want to go along with that. So having eyes open or you can sense if someone's agitated, if they're like not connecting check in. You don't need to just pray harder or longer or louder. You just check in. How, how are you doing? What's what's going on? Or if they're saying, I'm fine, but the body language seems to contradict that. Exactly. Eyes open, you notice body language. I love that. That's actually really helpful too, because sometimes we feel like I'm supposed to close my eyes the whole time. Yeah. And I'm not saying you can't ever close your eyes to concentrate. Some of us need that, you know, but um, it is helpful if you at least open your eyes frequently to observe. Agreed. Another big one that I learned at Res was asking permission. And that's always honoring. That's always a good idea for anything in relation to prayer. Like, hey, would it be okay if I place my hand on your shoulder right now? Rather than just placing it. Yeah. We don't want to assume anything really, especially when we're praying for someone and they're, we don't know their full history, perhaps we don't know what will be triggering. We don't know what will be distracting. And so, yeah, it's just a great, just basic rule to always ask permission to lay on hands appropriately, you know, non-distracting way. I've seen like someone doing a full body rub and I'm like, that is not helping what Jesus (laughs) is doing right now. Yeah. yeah. So, Let's let Jesus do that. <laughs> exactly. So laying hands on just in a non-distracting way, if the person, you know, gives permission. Or is it okay if I share something with you? Yeah. Yeah. Any other warnings we should be aware of? Yeah. I think the only other thing, um, well, two other things. It's It's really important to avoid giving advice or counseling. And there... Don't get me wrong. There's a place for that. There really is, especially for professional counseling. I'm all for it, 100%. But in the context of a prayer session for healing prayer, we really want to refrain from giving advice and counseling. That's just not the time or place for that. Or as I said earlier, interjecting your own story. It's possible at the end of a prayer session, if the Lord is really nudging you, this, you know, your story could be really encouraging. Then wait until the end and ask them, you know, my story really relates. And I think it could be encouraging for you. Would you be okay if I share a little bit of it with you and ask, or would you rather, is it too fresh for you right now? And I can share it with you another time, you know, give them complete permission. So they don't feel like, oh yeah, this is going to be, we're shifting gears now. And it's about you. You know, we really want to be sensitive to that. Um, and along with that confidentiality, I'm, I'm sure you have that as a baseline in, your ministry, but it can't really be reiterated enough um, because it is so vital for a person feeling safe. Um, And you can share that even at the beginning of prayer time. Just want you to know that whatever happens here will be confidential. And um, of course, unless someone's in danger of harming themselves or harming another person. Um, But that confidentiality piece is important. 
And there are so many other little gritty details you mentioned um, when we actually start doing it. Right. So the most important thing is to actually start. Yeah. Um, giving it a chance, receiving or giving the gift of healing prayer to someone else. How can people actually get started? Like what needs to happen? Right. Yeah. And ideally both, ideally both receiving and giving. Um, the best context that I've seen for this is in a small group context. So if you can get in a group of three or four, max five, but really three or four is ideal. And if you take turns, either one week taking a turn or depending on how much time you have, you can you know take turns in the same session, but rotate one person receiving, one person leading, and one person um, partnering, kind of assisting, and uh, communicate really clearly at the beginning about who's comfortable with what role when. And um, if you have an extra person, they can just be interceding, you know, just sitting there silently interceding for the Lord to work his healing. Um, so choosing roles. Um, the ideal time frame is like 20 to 30 minutes minimum, I would say, for each person receiving. Um, and, you know, in the beginning, going through the same intro asking permission, letting them know this is your turn to receive. You don't have to pray for yourself. This isn't time for you to analyze. We are asking the Lord to come and minister to you on a heart, deep level. You don't have to come up with a thing. We are going to pray for you and you just get to receive. And it can be helpful to do a physical posture of receiving, like hands out. It's not essential, but it can be helpful because our bodies are so connected to our soul. Um, so setting that out and then, um, you know, asking permission to lay on hands or anoint with oil if they're, if they're comfortable, if that's part of their tradition, it's not, again, it's not essential. This isn't a formula. Um, this is all about relationship. So, and then beginning to pray and invite the Lord to come and do all the things that we've talked about doing in, in prayer. Um, and checking in with the person, checking in. Another thing I should mention, if you're praying with a prayer partner, it's also helpful to have eyes open so you can communicate with each other. Because um, that's a really beautiful thing um, about praying with another person is the combination of gifting. You know, we all have different gifts. And it is awesome when you're praying with someone and they have a different gift than you and they could be sensing something and they can communicate with you without kind of totally interrupting the prayer time. So tag teaming with your prayer partner is great. Um, and then preparing the person again for times of silence and letting them know about that. And then just praying and waiting and seeing where the Lord leads. And, um, you know, it's just this process that you go through together with the person receiving. Um, and there are times where something in that short period of time will come up that's, that's, you need more time for. And that's okay. And I've often said, you know, the Lord is so able to minister to you in this area. He wants to, he longs to, he also knows what, what you can handle, when you can handle it. And we can trust him with that. And so if you're closing in prayer, you know, you can set up follow-up prayer times. So they have that reassurance that it's not, okay, now I'm on my own. You can have future prayer times. Um, but also just really reassuring them, the Lord 
the Lord has got you and he knows what he's, what you can handle. And, um, he knows how to guide this process and it is a process. It will take time. So yeah, taking that, that 20 to 30 minutes to pray and then close with a prayer of blessing. Um, you know, just thanking the Lord for what he did and, and, um, blessing that person that the Lord will bring it to completion and taking turns switch, you know, either the next week or in that same block of time. And it seems like here at husband material, we have the perfect containers for this in our triads groups of three or four men who meet together regularly. Yeah, that's right. That's perfect. The one downside being that it's online. Yeah, that is a little bit of a a bummer because it's so powerful to be in person, to feel someone's hand physically on your shoulder. Like I'm with you in this. Um, it, it is powerful because we are embodied, but the Lord will really work with what we've got. He absolutely will. He will use whatever we've got. And I'm so confident that he would work in the virtual meetings so powerfully and deeply. You know, what he asks is that we just come before him vulnerable and open to receive from him. And I'm so confident he would move powerfully in those groups. And whatever we bring, he will multiply it. Yeah, that's right. This is not magical. This is not manipulative. This is just living out the Christian faith that Jesus is alive. His spirit lives in us and we're the body of Christ. Like this is what we do. Right. It's very literal. It's, it's not just like a religious term, the body of Christ. It is extremely literal. We embody Jesus to one another. It's necessary. It's just vital. I could not agree more. Thank you so much for doing this episode. I think probably the best preparation for a healing prayer group would be to listen to this and have everybody just get some ground rules and foundation, first of all. Oh, thank you, Drew. I'm so glad. And thank you so much for the role you've played in my life and praying for me. It's been an honor. It really has. An absolute honor. I still remember being in Val's office like six years ago and exactly what God did. Um, Just a great point on my journey of healing. Right. Praise God. Yes. Leslie, what is your favorite thing about healing? Oh, man, so many things. I think... um, Probably the biggest thing is that it is just so obviously God and not me. You know, when I go through a prayer session and the things that a person experiences and that the Lord does, it's so creative. It's so customized for them. And it is so obviously him. And that is, it's so faith building. It's so encouraging to see over and over again, the Lord is real. He is personal. He cares. He's powerful. And this is not up to me. This is him. And it just over and over again, it's, it's beautiful. It really is. And the only way to experience that is to open ourselves up to praying. That's right. It's worth it. Yes, it's worth it. (laughs) It's worth it. Thank you for your guidance and your teaching. My pleasure. Thank you, Drew. And guys, always remember, you are God's beloved son, and you, he is well pleased. (laughs) 